Hello everyone and welcome to the March 5th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Haley Benton with Floyd, Skirin and Kelly. Thank you for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal in the published opinion of County of San Bernardino vs. WCAB and John McCoy broadened the application of the psychiatric claim defenses found in Labor Code Section 3208.3. McCoy worked as an automated systems technician for the County of San Bernardino. He filed a claim alleging cumulative trauma injury to his psych from 2005 through 2006 due to job stress caused by friction with his supervisor. On the first day of trial, he added the claim for injury in the form of migraine headaches. The county argued that his psychiatric injuries were caused by lawful, non-discriminatory, good faith personnel action. The work comp judge agreed with the county and found the injuries were non-compensable. The WCAB disagreed and granted McCoy's petition for reconsideration. While the work comp judge did not err in denying benefits for the psychiatric injury, it concluded that section 3208.3 was not applicable to the claim of migraines. It returned the matter to the work comp judge for further proceedings. It noted that under 3208.3, a psychiatric injury is defined as one that is diagnosed using the terminology and criteria of the American Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. Migraine headaches are not classified anywhere in the manual as a psychiatric injury. Thus, the WCAB ruled that a good faith personnel action defense does not apply to migraine headaches. The California Supreme Court believed otherwise and granted the county's petition for review and transferred the matter to the Court of Appeal with directions to review the case. The Court of Appeal annulled the award in favor of McCoy and published the opinion, and the matter was remanded for further proceedings. The court said that the legislature made it quite clear that by enacting 3208.3, it intended to limit psychiatric claims due to their proliferation for potential for fraud and abuse. Therefore, any interpretation of that section that would lead to more or broader claims should be examined closely to avoid violating express legislative intent. The court concluded that section 3208.3 subdivision H precludes recovery for physical manifestations that are directly and solely resulting from the psychiatric injury suffered as a result of good faith personnel actions. Any other result would undermine the purpose of the law to limit such that their claims were potential of fraud and abuse. The Court of Appeal ruled that a tort claim for a pilot that was killed at Van Nuys Airport was barred by the exclusive remedy provisions of workers' compensation law. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of Maria Fernandez versus SunQuest Executive Charter. Maria Fernandez filed a tort action against SunQuest relating to a jet airplane crash in 2007 which caused the death of her husband Fernando. Fernando was acting as a contract co-pilot when the jet crashed while attempting to return to land at Van Nuys Airport after a baggage door opened in the flight on departure. SunQuest, the charter company that had hired Fernando, raised the exclusive remedy provision of workers' compensation as their defense. When SunQuest first began operating, it treated some pilots as employees and others as independent contractors. However, in 2005, the State Employment Development Department audited SunQuest and issued a fine claiming pilots were not considered independent contractors. Since the EDD audit, SunQuest takes out withholdings and pays for workers' compensation and treats every pilot as an employee. 
Later, Fernando began work at SunQuest in 2006 as an entry-level co-pilot. SunQuest treated Fernando as an employee, taking withholding, including federal and state taxes, Social Security, Disability, Medicare, and unemployment insurance out of his paycheck, requiring him to fill out a W-4 form and issuing him with a W-2 at the end of the year. Fernando did not express any concern about the withholding from his paycheck, the manner in which SunQuest was paying him, or its identification of him on his paycheck as an employee. After Fernando's hiring, SunQuest trained him on the designated jet aircraft, costing the company about $8,000. When Fernando co-piloted the flight, he had to arrive at a specified location at least an hour before work, wear an appropriate uniform, and brief himself with the aspects of the flight. SunQuest provided the aircraft in which Fernando would fly and the fuel. It directed Fernando as to the catering on a particular flight, the navigation charts and maps, and, to, and the place to check the weather and the weather briefing. He also was required to implement company policy on briefing passengers and checking their identification before a flight. For overnight trips, SunQuest scheduled a hotel for Fernando and paid him a per diem rate for his expenses. Fernando was required to follow SunQuest's operation manual and use SunQuest's offices at the Van Nuys Airport. Fernando was also covered under SunQuest's workers' compensation policy. 2006 guidelines from the Federal Aviation Administration confirmed to SunQuest that it had made the correct decision to treat its pilots as employees rather than independent contractors. The jury unanimously found that Fernando was an employee of SunQuest and the trial court entered judgment in SunQuest's favor. The Court of Appeal, an unpublished opinion of Maria W. Fernandez versus SunQuest Executive Charter, Inc., sustained judgment in favor of the employer. A civil claim by San Francisco State University librarian was also barred by the exclusive remedy. Here's what happened in the case of Golchini versus State of California. Golchini was a graduate student at San Francisco State University and was employed as a member of its library staff. In June 2005, he signed a lease agreement for an apartment owned by the university. He was involved in a bitter dispute with the university over his convoluted claim of harassment. In 2005, Golchini allegedly discovered documents dating back to December 2003 which bore his identity. He alleged the university was responsible for illegal activities including corruption and identity theft used to fabricate a lease, establish utilities, obtain credit cards, and collect employee benefits. When Golchini began to speak up about the matter in 2005, he allegedly found himself in a hostile environment. In 2006, he requested to move to another apartment unit, but the university denied his request. An assault, robbery, and burglary allegedly followed. In 2006, Golchini was suspended from his employment. His apartment was burglarized again in March 2006, and he was told to leave his apartment or go to jail. He met with a university employee in Human Resources Department at the campus police station, along with a union supervisor who allegedly told him to resign. In 2006, Golchini was arrested and jailed. His court-appointed counsel entered a guilty plea on his behalf, and he was convicted and placed on probation. Golchini filed a civil complaint against the university, alleging violation of his constitutional and civil rights, violation of the Education Code, breach of contract, retaliation, 
conspiracy, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and negligence. Golchini's civil complaint was verified by him under oath, and he alleged that at all times he was employed by the university. The trial court sustained the university's demur and the second amended complaint without leave to amend. One of the reasons was that the court found that the claim was barred by the exclusive remedy of workers' compensation. The Court of Appeal agreed in the unpublished opinion of Golchini versus State of California. The Kansas City Chiefs earned an off-field victory related to workers' compensation claims filed in California by 16 former players. Former NFL players from throughout the country have filed dozens of claims in California where the law affords workers' compensation protection to players for as little as one game. The Chiefs and the NFL Management Council argued that filing workers' compensation claims in California violates the contracts the players signed with the Chiefs. The contracts specifically state that the jurisdiction is exclusively in the state courts of Jackson County, Missouri. The contracts also require disputes to be resolved in binding arbitration. The NFL Players Association argued that choice of forum clause is unenforceable under California law, federal labor laws, and the U.S. Constitution. Arbitrator Michael, Michael Beck ruled in favor of the Chiefs, finding that the players are in violation of their contracts and ordered them to stop their pursuit of workers' compensation claims in California. These 16 former players join a growing list of players from other teams who have lost similar cases in arbitration. One of the first teams to prevail using this argument was the Tennessee Titans, who won their case against Bruce Matthews in a San Diego arbitration, which was confirmed by a U.S. district judge in California. The Matthews case was soon followed by a similar result in 2010 by the Chicago Bears against former players Michael Haynes, Joe Odom, and Cameron Worrell. The Court of Appeal enforced a stipulation to retire in a to retire in a settlement agreement between the City of Los Angeles one and one of their former employees. Nettie Corbin sued her employer, the City of Los Angeles Department of Public Workers, and her supervisors, alleging various causes of action, such as discrimination, retaliation, and hostile work environment. On the second day of a jury trial, the parties reached a settlement, which was stated on the record by counsel for the city. Part of the settlement was an agreement that Corbin would retire. The court confirmed this provision on the record directly with Corbin, and she affirmed her agreement to retire. Counsel for the city also stipulated that the city agreed that the settlement has no effect on Corbin's pending workers' compensation action. Later, Corbin refused to sign a formal settlement agreement consistent with what she agreed to in open court. The city then filed a motion to enforce the oral settlement agreement. Corbin responded that she was rescinding the agreement to retire because she felt coerced and forced to make a decision and that her comprehension was impaired by medication she was taking. The Superior Court enforced the settlement agreement and Corbin appealed. The Court of Appeal in the unpublished opinion of Nettle Corbin pardon me, of Nettie Corbin versus the City of Los Angeles Department of Workers Comp of, um, Public Works affirmed the enforcement of the settlement. On appeal, Corbin argued that the term requiring her retirement inherently conflicts with a provision that would settlement would not affect her pending workers' compensation claim. She said that the relief available in her workers' compensation action included reassignment, 
within available job openings, and therefore a term requiring her retirement would have an effect on her pending workers' compensation action. The Court of Appeal disagreed with her contention. The only reasonable interpretation of the statement is that the parties meant to clarify that Corbin would be permitted to maintain her workers' compensation action. As such, there is no conflict between the two provisions of the agreement, and there is no justification for rescinding either provision. And now, our fraud report. A 43-year-old Murrieta man who failed to pay more than $500,000 in workers' compensation insurance for his Orange County-based roofing contracting business was sentenced to a year in jail. Michael Hawley, the owner of SoCal Roofing, pled guilty in 2010 to more than a dozen felony counts, but had had his sentence put off six times so he could pay back some of the money. Hawley could have faced more than 21 years in state prison had he been convicted at trial. An Orange County Superior Court judge agreed to keep the punishment at three years maximum in exchange for the guilty plea and a pledge to pay the money back. So far, Holly has paid back $120,000. Holly will still stay overnight in city jail for one year, but will be free during the day to go to his construction job so that he keep, can keep making restitution payments. The State Employment Development Department claims over $100,000 $88,000. And the State Compensation Insurance Fund claims over $322,000. The fraud was uncovered in 2003 when a worker fell off a roof at Santa Margarita Catholic High School in Rancho San Margarita. The man filed a workers' compensation claim, but Holly denied he worked for the SoCal Roofing Company. Holly acquired a minimum amount of workers' compensation insurance, but failed to declare that he hired subcontractors and paid some workers in cash. He also hired employees who were unlicensed, leased workers from other companies, shaved costs on insurance with inaccurate payroll reports to the state, and avoided taxes by paying some workers in cash. Dr. Su Ying Lisa Tseng a Roland Heights doctor has been accused of prescribing narcotic painkillers and other potent drugs to patients who allegedly have no legitimate need for their medications. She has also been charged with three counts of murder. Authorities allege the doctor passed out prescriptions for drugs like Xanax, Oxycontin, Vicodin, and Adderall with only a cursory examination of the patients and minimum questions. Tsing was charged in 2009 deaths of Vu Nguyen, 29 of Lake Forest, Stephen Ogle, 25 of Palm Desert, and Joseph Rivero III, 21, the Arizona State student from San Ramon. Rivero had been a high school football player in San Ramon and was halfway through his senior year at ASU, where he had been studying business and communications. He first saw Singh the first time and only time nine days before he recovered prescriptions for Xanax and Oxycontin after a cursory examination in history. His autopsy report said Rivero died of acute intoxication of those two drugs. Prosecutors list a similar litany of failures in the case of Nguyen and Ogle. Tsing also faces 21 other counts, including four involving undercover DEA agents, alleged, alleging she prescribed drugs using fraud and without a legitimate purpose. Sting and her husband, also a doctor, opened a storefront medical office in 2005 in the Los Angeles suburb of Roland Heights. She came under scrutiny by the California Medical Board and the DEA in 2008, 
after a pharmacy reported problems with her prescriptions. The DEA suspended her license to write prescriptions in 2010, and the Osteopathic Medical Board of California said Singh voluntarily surrendered her medical license. Her husband continues to run their clinic. If convicted, she could face state prison term of 45 years to life. And in financial news, industry experts say that workers' compensation insurers are taking steps to improve their profitability of the troubled line. According to AM Best Company, between 2006 and 2010, premiums fell to about 30% while profitability dropped as well. And officials from American Institute International Group's Chartists also believe that rates are clearly underwater. AIG has shrunk its overall workers' compensation book from $6.73 billion in 2006 to $3.13 billion in 2010. The general drop in workers' compensation was driven by a combination of factors including rate decreases, competitive market conditions, return audit premiums, and a weak macroeconomic environment. Another factor impacting the drop could be growth in large deductible programs and captives. The workers' compensation injury industry's combined ratio for 2010 was over 116, and AM's Best Co. is estimating that com uh, combined ratio of over 118 for 2011 and 120 in 2012. This would be the highest combined ra uh, ration since the industry recorded 120.9 um, in 2001. In other news, on March 1st, the WCIRB launched the workers' compensation coverage inquiry website. The new tool can be reached at www.caworkercompcover. The purpose of the website is to assist in identifying the name of an insurance company that wrote a California workers' compensation insurance policy for a specific policy holder on a specific day within the last five years. It was established pursuant to the provisions of the California Insurance Code and the California Code of Regulations. The information available via the website is extracted from data reported the, to the WCIRB pursuant to the California Workers' Compensation Uniform Statistical Reporting Plan. Only privately insured coverage information is shown. Information about self-insured employers should be directed to the California Office of Self-Insurance Plans. The website is free and available to anyone with a web browser. Users can search for coverage information by federal employer identification number or company name. Up to five years of coverage is available. The website includes a link directly to the insurer search page on the California Department of Insurance website, making it easy to locate insurer contact information. Users should be aware that results are not evidence or verification of workers' compensation insurance coverage, and the lack of search results do not indicate that a policyholder is legally uninsured. Pardon me, illegally uninsured. Insurers, employers, injured workers, and others who are unable to locate coverage information using the website may contact the WCIRB directly for assistance. SCIF adopts bonus program for employees. Despite an unprecedented downsizing that has cut jobs and emptied out agency offices around California, the State Compensation Insurance Fund's Board of Directors has okayed an incentive program, uh, bonus program for employees. It's not clear how much this will cost the state fund, but employees could receive up to 10% of their base pay, depending on how well they perform. Since state fund operates uh, solely on policyholders' premiums and investments, none of the bonus money would come from tax dollars.
the board would approve performance award program on February 17th, about seven weeks after the 971 employees in danger of layoffs took an unprecedented severance package. The so-called transition packages cost state fund about $30 million. Even after those employees left, another 700 fund jobs remain on the chopping block as part of a multi-year plan to save $200 million. The bonuses are contingent on negotiations with union representatives. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website for news updates, past edition of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Haley Benton with Floyd, Skirin, and Kelly, and thank you for joining us today. And again, drop by next week for more news.